When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everyone? Zach Rosenblatt here, NJ.com. As you can tell, I'm the new host of this podcast, Elliot Shore Parks. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, he left us for a new job with uh, WIP. We're really happy for him. We're going to miss him, but we got to keep on trucking along. And uh, for now, I'm going to be taking over. We're going to have a co-host announced in the next week or two. But until then, I'm going to have a rotation of some guests coming in. We have one on today's episode, a familiar voice who was on the very first episode, I believe. I'm excited. It's going to be a good conversation, and we're going to keep bringing you all this Eagles content and this Eagles talk, and we're going to try and incorporate more interviews in this podcast. We're going to keep the discussion going and in in our hot take nature that we like to bring to the table. We're going to do some fan mailbags. We're going to do the Twitter hot takes following each game. We're going to be doing those immediate post-game reactions that I know are pretty popular on this feed. And until we fill that role, you know, like I said, I'm going to have a rotation of guests, and I'm looking forward to just kind of taking this and running with it. It's my first time taking over a podcast uh, by myself. I coasted one in Arizona for a little bit, but I, we had a rotation of people that were doing it. And I'm, I'm excited to kind of see how this grows and goes in kind of a different direction now that we have some different voices on the podcast. All right, so let's get to our guests. It's uh, Joe Giglio, familiar to the No Huddle Show. He's one of the original hosts. He hosts his own radio show on uh, WIP in the evening, and he's a writer for NJ.com. A uh, quick note before we get into our conversation, uh, towards the end, uh, there were some audio issues, so just bear with us. Uh, the rest of it sounds great, and we hope you enjoy uh, this first podcast where I'm going solo. Joe, how does it feel to be back on your favorite Eagles podcast? It feels a little strange, and uh, that is a weird way to put it, an OG of this of this podcast. No, but Zach, I'm, I'm excited to do this and, and happy to be uh, joining us. We're just, you know, we're hours, it feels like, now away from the season starting. Yeah, what do you, what do you remember about that first podcast way back when? I'm trying to remember now. Uh, I remember doing <laughs> it's been a while, in, yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. I remember doing it in the the office, the you know the NJ.com, NJ Advanced Media offices, and it probably I I want to actually listen back now. It probably was really bad. Um, <laughs> Usually the first I think one we got is better. Yeah. yeah, the first one was definitely terrible. But I think we got better. And uh, and how many epi- I, I, how many episodes are you in now? Way over a hundred, right? Yeah, I think we're at one seventy-two, something like that. There we go. Wow. So you'll have a milestone at some point later this season. 200. Yeah. That, that's a big deal. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's uh, good to have you back. But uh, yeah, you know, obviously, big day, Thursday, the, the season starts, Eagles-Falcons. Uh, before we get into the season previewing, you know, we haven't had a podcast uh, in, in a little over a week since Elliot decided to leave us. But, you know, a few days ago, they finally announced, you know, after weeks and months of speculation and people making up stories and and look and overanalyzing videos like they do in Philadelphia at, at various times, uh, they decided that Carson Wentz will not be starting week one. It'll be Nick Foles. You know, at a certain point, it felt like that became pretty obvious that that was the case. Maybe, you know, earlier in training camp, maybe we weren't sure. But wh- where have you kind of stood on the whole will he or won't he throughout at this whole training camp? I never thought. Carson Wentz was going to play week one and and really I, I was just confused at the way the conversation was going as camp was going because really the way I read it was that he never progressed you know he started camp yeah. and he did some 11 on 11s and that 
that was surprising, and it was pretty intense the first week or so of camp. But then they pulled back, and then they just put him back into the same situation that he was in the first couple of days of camp. So as we got closer to the season, and everyone started to get excited, you mentioned those videos and the workouts and you know all this stuff that was coming out, I just kept circling back to he's really, in terms of the Eagles and their doctors and what they're letting him do, he's not any place different than he was on July 27th on August 27th. And that was just a signal to me that, He's just not playing. And the fact they didn't clear him for contact, which, you know, people would say, well, he's not going to play in the preseason anyway. What's the difference? Well, then, you know, there are other players that were hurt last year that are cleared for contact. Deshaun Watson was cleared for contact in the middle of August. Why wasn't Carson Wentz? Well, we know now because he's not ready and they weren't going to do it. I I always thought they were going to be cautious. And it felt like, and Zach, you probably picked up on this and probably wrote about some of these things. It felt like every time Doug Peterson talked, to non-Philadelphia media. It kind of reminded me of the old Andy Reid thing. He, he would he would talk different. You know, I, I heard him on, I think it was Tiki and Tierney on uh, CBS Sports Radio, and, and he threw out the idea that, yeah, you know, whenever Carson's ready, a couple weeks down the line, you know, he'll be ready. And with you guys, it was more like, yeah, I don't know, day to day, you know, we're, we're not sure, maybe tomorrow. But I just never got the sense he was going to play, and I, I just think this is the right play and probably what they were thinking all along. Well, be careful. You don't want to put words in Doug's mouth. Well, that's true. <laughs> well, he said those things to Tiki and Tyranny. I didn't say them. <laughs> yeah, true. But yeah, and I think I think he did an interview with Peter King, too, at one point where he said Carson looked hesitant, which went against everything that Carson and he had been saying to us, too. But uh, yeah, I wonder, I, I kind of wonder how much Carson coming out and saying like he wants to play week one and kind of stick into that stance, like pretty much all offseason through training camp until at a certain point, I wonder if like the Eagles talked to him and said something. Cause then he started being like, you know, it's going to be super close. Once he, once he started saying it's going to be close, like there's, if it's going to be close then you don't play him, <laughs> he's your franchise quarterback. Right. Right. And I think that we all, because of, of how, you know, I think we all, everyone around the Eagles and watch the Eagles believe so much in Carson Wentz and his work ethic. And, and he did look pretty good from what, you know, little things we saw on video and probably what you were seeing every day, the way it was being reported. But, this injury happened in December. It's a nine to 12 month injury. And it reminds me in baseball, like with Tommy John surgery, that the longer you wait, the less likely you are to, to re-injure the elbow. And, and the doctors seem to say the same thing with this. So, you know, if this injury happened in October, like Deshaun Watson or November, I would have, I would have probably bet he was going to play, but it was December. It hasn't even been nine months yet. I, I just think this is, this was the right play. And, and it just makes too much sense to not play him. Yeah, for sure. I think we'll probably touch on this a little more when we get into some season preview stuff, but the season starts tomorrow. We'll talk about the Falcons a little bit. I'm just curious, you know, you, you host a show, you talk to the fans quite a bit. Uh, I'm just curious, what, what has kind of been your read on how fans are feeling about this season and what kind of the vibe is around town? Because I, I don't know, it seemed like, not that there wasn't as much interest in training camp, but there was definitely like less non-Carson Wentz related storylines going on. And I, I thought that was kind of interesting how, like the, this was the least exciting 53-man roster cut down when you factor in like the, the thing that everybody was up in arms about was the, the fifth screen running back rookie who they wound up bringing back on the practice squad anyway. I, well, I agree. I felt the same thing. It, it's been the strangest offseason. I think it's because they climbed the mountain and, and we're dealing with a fan base now that doesn't know how to react to this. I mean, the Eagle, I feel like the city of Philadelphia from a sports perspective has been attached to the idea of the, the whole the whole goal is to win the Super Bowl. Well, now what? They won the Super Bowl. And, Zach, I've noticed this through the offseason, free agency. Now, they weren't really active outside of the Michael Bennett thing and a couple little things. And then the draft, part of that probably was circumstantial. They didn't have a pick till the end of the first round. It wasn't like a top 10 or 15 pick. But I noticed less interest and buzz about free agency 
and about the draft, about mini camp, training camp, the preseason games. It's almost been like a hangover, uh, and it's not a bad thing. I think it's just natural. I mean, everyone is still celebrating the fact that the Eagles won the Super Bowl, but this fan base used to live on the little things. I mean, you, you could probably go back in the feed of this podcast. We would do whole podcasts on the little things, and now they don't seem to matter as much anymore. I am curious to see if that changes when they kick it off against the Falcons and if they lose a game early you know, and how things how everyone kind of switches back to, uh-oh, you know, it's real again. But I, I notice a difference. And the other aspect I've noticed, that, Zach, is that there's now blind faith in people that a year ago would have never gotten blind faith. <laughs> totally, like yeah. Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson. Doug. Who, yeah, I, I've always been a fan of Doug, but it's amazing now. Like this everyone, week. like, yeah, like if I say anything half critical of Doug, <laughs> people are like, well, why are you hating on a Super Bowl coach? I'm like, I, I like Doug Peterson. I love Doug. He's a great coach, but. Yeah, there's there's amazing faith that they're going to win again, and they're they're fine no matter what. And the little things just didn't seem to matter as much this this off season. Yeah, it's interesting to say. That. Like, imagine like if that Falcons game goes the way it probably should have with the Eagles losing it, because there were so many like small plays where the Falcons probably should have won that game. And all of a sudden, maybe everybody's not as hyped on Nick Foles and Doug Peterson. Like, would they have been as mad at the media for asking all these questions about? Uh, the, the quarterback for week one, I feel like they would have been understood why we were questioning them, right? Sure, yeah. And it's not even, I, I didn't even understand why people were so upset. Yeah. At, at, like the Rapport thing. And also, it's just silly. Like what the Eagles tried <laughs> to do. I, and like, I, I guess I get it more now because it seems like Doug was just upset that he couldn't deliver the word to his quarterbacks that it got out somehow with Rapport. And I get it. I'd probably be upset too if I wasn't the one to deliver the message. But clearly, the, with the way the media works with the way the news cycle works there was no way they were going to be able to drag this decision to thursday and no one was going to know like that was just a very strange thought process by doug that he could actually do it without it leaking out well you know now now they don't have that competitive advantage uh they, they might they might go ahead and <laughs> yeah they're, they're screwed now thursday. they can't win now <laughs> the, the amount of secrecy that coaches try and have nowadays is amazing but kind of going off that a little bit I have a scenario for you. So if Nick Foles comes out and plays amazing against the Falcons, they win, and maybe Carson Wentz misses another week or two, and Nick Foles is playing like he did in the playoffs, and then Carson Wentz comes back in week four, week five, he looks rusty for two, three, four weeks. I mean, what, what are the phone calls going to start sounding like? There'll be a quarterback controversy. There's, there's yeah. no question. Uh, I think it is, it's inevitable if that scenario plays out, and it, it, it probably would be inevitable anyway because that's the backup quarterback winning right now syndrome but it's the super it's the first quarterback to bring a Super Bowl to the Eagles Nick Foles and Nick has always had this talent like people in Philadelphia have always liked Nick Foles and while there have been a lot of doubters I was one of them he's always had his pocket of supporters so those people are just boosted up now and if he starts this season well and like you said if Carson comes back and probably will have a little rust on him I wouldn't be surprised at all if in the middle of October there are days or weeks that go by at, at WIP and, and probably anywhere, any forum where there's Eagles conversation where people want Nick Foles to start. I, the fact that they brought him back led that to being a definite possibility this season. I mean, there's a statue from outside the stadium now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was crazy. They kind of dropped that out of nowhere, right? I know. I mean, it's a cool statue, but yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if we'll ever see a statue of a backup quarterback outside a stadium ever again. <laughs> I, I was thinking about maybe – Maybe this is normal around the NFL, but I was thinking during training camp, like I can't imagine there are many teams, in the NFL, even throughout history, where every week 
you're having press conferences with the number one quarterback and the backup quarterback, and they they're they're big enough that you need to talk to both of them that often. Like, I, I, it's got to be one of the most unique situations in NFL history. It ha- I mean, the only thing I could think of, and I I, I don't know because I'm I don't remember back then to this, but at some point maybe when Steve Young played and he played oh. well and and Montana was still around, I, I don't remember how that whole thing ended. But the crazy part of that is. They had two Hall of Famers, as well as Nick Foles played in moments. The Eagles don't have that, and yet that that exists here. Well, technically, he's kind of a Hall of Famer with like the multiple things he has in the Hall, right? <laughs> That's true. He's got a lot there, and he's got a, a statue of himself. He, he's got more Hall of Fame credentials than a lot of Hall of Famers. Man, that's that's a great way of putting it. But yeah, so I, I guess let, let's turn our attention to the Falcons game. You know, I, speaking of Nick Foles, he looked pretty terrible in his uh, two preseason games he played. I think he turned it over three or four times against the Browns. Uh, he just did not look good. I mean, we, we see this out of Nick Foles. He has the stretches where he looks bad and then will look amazing and then he'll look bad again. That's just kind of how it goes. But, I mean, the Eagles are banged up. They don't have Alshon Jeffrey. They won't have Matt Collins. The offense hasn't been together all preseason. Falcons might have revenge on the mind. They're pretty much the same team they played against and maybe added a few pieces. I mean, what th- this kind of feels like a letdown is coming, doesn't it? It does. Um, in Vegas is agreeing, or I guess it's more than Vegas now because we could bet anywhere. But the, the line is is screaming that this is, is what you say. I mean, last time I looked at it, it was like minus two or minus one in some spots. The Eagles are barely favored anymore at home as the defending Super Bowl champions. And I think that's it's even more than about Nick because the Eagles have a lot of players that won't play. They're banged up. This wide receiving core right now is just like, – if, if I just showed this to you and you didn't know anything about these two teams, you would say – the Eagles are taking this into the game, and it's just – it's not very good. So the defense is going to have to carry them. But to go to the Nick thing, uh, Nick Foles thing, Zach, for this game, that I, I find the the way the Eagles built up to prepare for this game strange now in retrospect with the decision out with the quarterback. You know, the last couple of weeks – and, Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Doug keep saying that Nick and Carson were splitting reps, which yeah. – like Nick Foles needs every rep he can get. That's why they were able to get him to play at that level last uh, last January because they had the two weeks off and they they put the RPOs in and, and he was he was ready to roll and he played great. Why, if there was any thought that he was going to play, which I had to think there was always a thought Nick was going to start this game, he should have been getting all the reps to prepare for Week One. It just it feels like a strange way to get ready for this game. Yeah, and Nick Foles talked about this uh, earlier this week. He he said how he's a momentum quarterback. I mean, we know, it's pretty obvious at this point. Like, once he gets going, he's good, but it takes him some time to get going sometimes. And, yeah, they've been splitting 50-50. I mean, we haven't seen practice in the last week, so at this point we don't know what they tell us is true and what, you know, if they're being completely honest or what, what the deal is. Because if they, you know, depending on when they knew Wentz wasn't going to play, if they had kept on giving them half the first-team reps, that that's a problem considering this group just hasn't played together. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Uh, I mean, so so I guess I don't know if you had a prediction yet, but what what have what what is your feeling for this game? How do you think it plays out? I think the Falcons are going to win. It's just a, it's a really it's a tough spot. I think the Falcons are really good. The Eagles are banged up. They've been rusty all off season. A bunch of new guys are going to come back in. Look, could the Eagles win a close game? I, I think it'll be close because I've liked what I've seen out of the Eagles defense, and I, I think their secondary has a chance to be outstanding, especially with the, the corners they're going to throw out there. So I like their matchup on that side. I don't think the Falcons are going to just, you know, run up the score and put 30-something points on the board. So I think it'll be something like the Falcons in the 20s and the Eagles trying to claw their way from the teens to try to tie a game maybe late in, in the low 20s. It's close, but my gut's just telling me there's, there's all these things lining up with Nick and with the Falcons' revenge factor you mentioned. 
uh, the Eagles injuries, the wide receiving core. I think this is a, this is a loss. The Eagles are going to start this season with a loss, which, uh, which maybe should change the conversation a little bit starting Friday morning. Yeah. And some, one thing to remember though, Matt Ryan does struggle quite a bit in Philadelphia, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and don't I mean, forget Zach. He's from, he's from around here, which is, is you have true. to say that every time he plays. Around here. <laughs> I mean, that, there's going to be all those stories about that. And ever they'll mention that 10 times on the broadcast <laughs> as if he hasn't been in the league for 11 years now. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's just so hard to get a read on what this offense is going to look like. And that's really what, if, if Nick Foles comes out and is running the offense, like, you know, we've seen he can, then they can win this game. I think I have them. I predicted them to win as of like yesterday. I'm, I'm wavering the more I think about it, just because all the things you laid out, uh, I'll stick with them winning right now. I don't, I don't know. It's hard, too hard to put a score on it. I'll wait to do that till later. But uh, yeah, I, I have them winning as of now, even though I'm not very confident in that. And I, I guess from that, let, let's just turn for a little bit to some season preview overall look ahead. Uh, if When you look at this team, I guess, what are you, what are you most concerned about over the course of this 16-game schedule, and what are you the least concerned about this team? So I'm most concerned about full-season quarterback play compared to last year. Now, I think if when Carson gets back, if he's 100%, at some point he's going to play really well. He was almost the MVP of the league last year. He, he's a tremendous player, and I think he'll get his footing, his, you know, his feet under him at some point and play well. I don't know when that's going to happen. And if he doesn't play for the first two weeks, how many weeks until he gets himself together – I think, Zach, when we look back and we look at their total quarterback play from last year, you know, if you go from, let's say, week one to the Giant game, week, what was that, 15, then they had the Raider game and the Cowboy game, which didn't, wasn't even a real game after that. <laughs> it's just hard for me to believe that they're going to get as much from the quarterback position the first 15 weeks of this season they got last year. I, I just, it's almost impossible. They were so great on third down. They, they converted so many drives and kept things going. They had big plays. They had Carson running around making crazy plays from the jump last year. So I just don't think they're going to get as great of play from quarterback as they did last year. And then you factor in no John Filippo, no Frank Reich. I trust Doug, but that could be a transition process. No Alshon to start the season, which will impact whoever's playing quarterback. My biggest concern is they, they had top two or three quarterback play last year. And if that regresses overall to – top 10-ish quarterback play, I wouldn't be surprised. And as far as yeah. as far as the, the thing I'm least concerned about is with everything going on, I'm just, I don't think there's any other team in this division that's good. I think the Giants are improved, but I, I think their defense stinks. I think Dallas has a million issues, and I don't think Dak Prescott's very good. And Washington is just, they're blah, like usual. I, they might have three, seven, and nine teams trying to chase them. So they can afford to have some lulls and still win this division. Yeah, I agree with you on the division thing. And in terms of concern, I, I would even put it out to the entire offense. I think there's a few more question marks on this offense than people maybe have been letting on. You know, you look at the receiver group. Alshon Jeffrey played the entire season with a torn rotator cuff, and he, he's going to be out at least two weeks, and they've been pretty coy about how long he actually will be out. He's not on the PUP list, so he, it would be less than six weeks, you would think. But will he be himself when he gets back? How will he incorporate back in the offense? And and beyond that, you know, Mac Hollins is hurt, although I'm not sure how much he can contribute anyway. They're going to be relying on someone like Shelton Gibson, who wasn't even good enough to be on the active roster last year while he's looked great in the preseason. And even like Jason Peters, as amazing as he's looked even in the pre, in training camp, he is 36 coming off a torn ACL. Like, if he's not himself, Vitae hasn't really inspired much confidence. Uh, I, I think the offense has a lot more questions than they did uh, when, when they ended the season last year. I think that's going to be something that 
at least in the first half of the season, might be a concern. It's a fair concern. I think when you mentioned the offensive line, we know they lost Peters, but the other four stayed healthy. Once they put Wisniewski in there, Kelsey all year, Brooks all year, Johnson all year. I mean, they, they were as good from center to the right as any team in the NFL. And, you know, the odds say you, you don't stay as healthy. I mean, some of those guys might miss a game or two or three over the course of the year. That that could impact things. Yeah, and the the depth, they have some young guys who could be good down the line, but the depth, I think, is kind of a problem at the offensive line. They, Vitae, like I said, you know, he, he probably is better than he looked in the preseason, at least you hope so, because he looked like he didn't belong in the NFL. But after that, you know, you have Isaac Samalo, who they, they value his versatility. But I, as, I've, as I've said, if you're not that great at any of the positions you're versatile at, how, how valuable is that versatility? Because he hasn't really shown he's, you know, a starting NFL offensive lineman. And then Chance Warmack, I'm not really sure why they kept him around. And you don't really want to start a rookie in Matt Pryor or Jordan Mailata, especially this season. So I, if any of those main guys, especially Brooks or Lane Johnson or Jason Kelsey get hurt, I think they're going to be a lot of trouble there. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I, I liked what I saw in my lot of two, but yeah, yeah. That, and that's, that's a big leap to think he had, he might have to play at some point this season. I'm sure they don't want that. For sure. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll close on just the obvious end of the season question. I guess, do you, as you sit here right now, do you think the Eagles, one, make it back to the Super Bowl? And if they do, do you think they win it again? I don't have them going back. I, I just think it's so hard to predict yeah. that. Uh, and plus the NFC. I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks. This is as loaded as I can ever remember the, the NFC. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. You know, if I remember when I was young and going back with those great 49ers teams and Cowboys teams, and they were great. And Favre was coming up in, in Green Bay. But in the salary cap era, because that really wasn't the salary cap era in the early 90s. It came in right around then. I don't remember that. Like, I don't think there are more than – Zach, how many teams in the NFC do you think will be bad? Like really bad teams? I was, Maybe I was, at, I was, I was looking recently. I think it's only like – two or three, maybe four that you look at and you're like, that team's probably going to be bad. I mean, think about it. The Bears just traded for Khalil Mack, who might be like a top five to ten player, and I still have a hard time projecting them for the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And they have a young quarterback that maybe grows with, with their new coach, Matt Nagy. So I don't think Chicago is bad. Arizona could be bad. I'll put them in. Tampa could be bad. But there's there's talent there if Jameis can actually get on the field and, you know, you know, stay out of trouble. But I don't think there are bad teams. The Giants are way better. The Redskins and Cowboys aren't bad. So I think it's a gauntlet. I think the NFC playoffs is a gauntlet. And I think, Zach, because of the issues we talked about and, and why they might start off a little slow, I don't think the Eagles are going to have home field advantage throughout this time around. And I think that's probably the difference maker. If they have to go to New Orleans or go to Los Angeles uh, or go to Green Bay or Minnesota in, in January instead of having those teams come here, it just feels like that's the difference. So I think they'll win the division and maybe win a playoff game or two. And uh, But I, I just don't think they're going back to the Super Bowl this year. So now that the Eagles fans have tasted the Super Bowl, do you think that's acceptable to them? Do you think they'll be okay with it considering they just won? Or how do, how do you think? I guess we'll find out, right? Yeah, we will. The devil's probably in the details with that. It, yeah. You know, if they go 14-2 and two and then they lose <laughs> to the divisional round, people are going to be rightfully disappointed. But, yeah, I, I think that – the future's still amazingly bright, even if this year doesn't lead to the Super Bowl. And also, all of this is such a weird way to talk about it. Like, they're loaded, and they're going to be loaded <laughs> for the next three or four or five years. And yet, because the expectations are so high, it feels like, well, that's kind of a bummer if they don't win the Super Bowl again. And, yeah, that's a great way. Because if you think about it, like if I had said, if they lost that Falcons game, we'd probably be talking about this season like in a much different light. Like, they're going to be a team on the rise. Maybe they're a yeah. contender this year. And the reality is they they miraculously won it last year with the way they did. It, it changed everything. Now the expectations are to do that every year, which is hard. But 
they're going to go back to the playoffs, and they're going to be one of the best teams in a loaded conference. So it's going to be a fun year. And if they win it again, then we're, we're watching an all-time special team if they can win it again. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, man. Well, this was awesome. We're, we, we loved having you back. Uh, before you go, if you want if you want to go ahead and plug your show or your podcast or your Twitter or whatever you want to do. Yeah, well, I'm on evenings on WIP, 6 to 10, uh, especially when the Phillies have off nights. I have full shows, but uh, soon when the season ends, I'll have full shows again throughout the season. And, uh, yeah, my podcast, Me and Gilio, Down by the Schoolyard, which is a, is a great uh, name. You know what? It got submitted. I put out a, a Twitter a tweet with, like, you know, can I have some suggestions to name a podcast? <laughs> and it was by far the best one to come in, so ran with it. And, uh, yeah, so it's on iTunes and anywhere you find it, so. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And this was fun, Zach. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you so much, man. All right. Thanks to Joe Gillia for joining us. Really enjoyed that conversation. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. As I mentioned earlier, it's, we're on iHeartRadio, YouTube, we're Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at The No Huddle Show or myself at Zach Blatt, Z-A-C-K-B-L-A-T-T. Thanks for listening. <laughs>